Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Through the Night is a cinema verite portrait of three working mothers whose lives intersect at D's Tot Daycare in New Rochelle, New York. A mother working the overnight shift, a pediatric nurse, and another holding down three low-wage jobs to support her two girls. And Dolores Nunu Hogan, who for over two decades has cared for the children of parents with nowhere else to turn. Through the Night is a tender portrait of strength and love and selflessness, and it showcases the multiplicity of women's work, paid, underpaid, and unpaid, emotional and physical, domestic and career-oriented, all while negotiating the terms of a dignified existence under the three arrows of racism, sexism, and capitalism here in the United States of America. We're joined today by the director of Through the Night, and that is Lloyda Limbaugh. Lloyda, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate what you've done with this film. Uh, I, for people, I will describe it, and please correct me if I'm wrong in terms of the style. I, I mentioned it's a cinema verite. It will remind you of an Albert Maisel's film. It will remind you of a Frederick Wiseman film. It will remind you of a lot of things. It stands on its own. How you found uh, Dolores Nuno Hogan and how this evolved into this documentary film, I'm dying to hear how all that happened. Yeah, I'm happy to share. I learned about uh the daycare through an article that I read many years ago, this must have been about six years ago now, that was shared on, in an online mother's group that I'm a part of. I am a mother myself, a single working mother myself, and I'm part of a community online. Uh, someone who worked on the article came and sort of shared it. And when I read the article, the focus was really taking a look at the state of work and the economy in the United States. and posing the question of who cares for people's children, given that increasingly people are working multiple jobs and working irregular schedules and overnight shifts. Um, and so they profiled the daycare, they profiled a few of the families in the daycare. And as I was reading it, I kept sort of just thinking about my own childhood and my own mother who raised four of us working the night shift herself. Uh, she was a single mother, worked as a home health aide so taking care of elderly and sick folks in their homes, working, making minimum wage as well. You know, it, it sort of just brought me back to my, some of my most intimate and personal life experiences. As a filmmaker, I was immediately sort of captivated by the idea of making a film about this world. It just felt very familiar to me, but that I also know is very invisible in our mainstream uh, in the United States. Well, and I would assume part of that equation had to be when you met Dolores and how she, and, and again, as a filmmaker, as a student of, of people watching and, 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 and documenting their behavior, did, did you know pretty quickly that she was going to be that kind of a subject for, for a film? Was that something you felt right away or how did that yeah, it's interesting because I read the article and I reached out to someone who worked on the piece to ask if they would make an introduction and they declined to do so um, because they thought, they said that the folks at the daycare 
had seemed a little cautious and weary, and she didn't really think that they would be open to the idea of working with a filmmaker. And so she didn't feel comfortable brokering that introduction. And I said, okay. And I sort of took her no for an answer. And then it took me about two years to actually move and decide to basically work up the courage to cold call Nunu and introduce myself. And so there was a two year lapse between the idea and the desire and when I actually moved on it. Uh, and I would say part of it was, you know, this person said, no, I think they'll be wary. So I said, oh, well, you know, if they're not going to be open, I don't want to badger or harass anyone, right, into telling me their story. Uh, but the other piece of it was that, you know, again, I myself, am, I have a full-time job. I have two young children. I'm a single parent. And so part of me was sort of I was trying to convince myself, I was trying to talk myself out of it, really, uh, because, you know, sort of the conversation I was having with myself was, you already have enough on your plate, like, stop trying to do the most, you know, chill, like, you'll be able to make films again, maybe when your kids are older, just sort of, you don't have any business trying to pursue this right now. But then the idea wouldn't leave me alone, like, it really just wouldn't leave me alone, uh, you know, I would washing dishes and I'd have ideas for things that I would want to shoot and how I'd want to shoot them and so anyway so finally two years later I cold called Nunu I introduced myself um said this is you know who I am this is what I do and this is what I'd be interested in, in you know, proposing to you and she said okay well let me talk to my husband and I'll call you back and, and she did she called me back four days later and asked me to come up for a meeting and during that first meeting you know, it was really clear to me that that there was a connection there. You know, and oftentimes people ask me about you know, the process of building trust for the film and the characters and protagonists, and it was not hard. Uh, in that first conversation, I shared quite a bit about, you know, my professional sort of background, but also I shared some of my mother's story. I shared some of my own, you know, sort of current challenges as a mother and, and really explain that this was the, mo the motivation behind it all. And, um, and then I also made it very clear that I, would, I, un I understood the sort of delicacy and the sensitivity around filming children, right, and people's children. And so I basically, you know, sort of said over and over in that first conversation that I would be respectful of any parameters or anything that, you know, would need to be put into place to ensure that people felt safe and comfortable and respected in the process. And by the end of the conversation, she looked at me and she said, okay, that's great. I hear you, but also I've been around the block a few times and I'm looking at you, I'm looking into your eyes and I can tell who you are. So I'm not worried. So just tell me what you need and we'll figure it out. And it was, you know, it, it, it was just this sort of moment of like, I felt very seen, you know, and then my life experiences really did matter. Um, and they, you know, they matter uh, for me in terms of being a storyteller, but that it matters, you know, to, to others um, that she saw me, right? And she understood what was my motivation and my intention. That's That's a fantastic story because I think there's just so much in that in terms of, the recognition that is so often not given to people who do the work that Nunu does. And for the people who are part of that experience, how little it's recognized outside of the importance that it deserves. 
So there's there's an awful lot there. And the, there's something about her being around the camera. She seemed, I mean, I don't know how long into the process this, what I'm going to say is is relevant, but it, it felt like she never seemed to be playing or looking at the camera. She seemed to be all about her business, whatever it was. She seemed very comfortable around the fact that I'm sure you were there with a little bit of a crew. If it wasn't just you, there was probably someone else. So and again, I think there's something about the work that she does that is, it, first of all, it's it's intense, right? You can't take your eyes off these kids for more than a couple of seconds at times. So there's something very immediate and present about what they do. And there's always a factor of if something were to happen, right? There's always that in the back of their minds. But I just thought the way she was able to kind of very seamlessly, it seemed, to be able to make you a part of her life as well. Is that is that fair? That's very fair. Uh, and that was something that I, I also thought a lot about. Um, uh, so the team that worked on the film was an all women of color crew. Uh, and in very interesting ways, everyone had a personal connection to the story. Wow. Uh, so our editor is a mother, uh, a mother of a young child. Our director of photography was raised you know, by a mother who worked very hard outside of the home and who she had to sometimes accompany to work and would kind of fall asleep while her mother was working. You know, so she had her own. Uh, one of our other cinematographers, her mother ran a daycare center out of her home. Working at the daycare was her after school job, you know, and so on and so forth. You know, several people were raised by single working mothers. So they, so there was, I think, you know, sometimes the, 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 the film gets described as being sort of very tender. Um, and I think that tenderness that you see on screen really is the result of, of a collective project. I think everyone that worked on the film had this sort of connection and this uh, love and respect and admiration for this universe and the people that inhabit it, uh, that really then, uh, that, that's what shows up on screen. Well, let's talk about the work that's being done. I mean, we talk, in, a lot of people talk in general terms, right, about women's work, and, but it's the, watching kind of the day-to-day, -day, the, the thing that they do every day, feeding, making sure they're clean and safe and all the rest of it. You want to sort of, your description of what goes on in, in the daycare in, that, that uh, Nunu is a, a part of. What, what, yes, what? yes. Uh, so yes, in, in the daycare, they are providing for obviously the physical needs of the children. Uh, that is everything from teaching children how to wash their hands to, you know, patching boo-boos and little cuts and scrapes and things. They are also supporting children's academic development um, in age-appropriate ways. So that for, you know, learning for little ones, it's, it's through play as they get older. Uh, there is actually like academic time, right? Where they are doing activities and worksheets and somehow they manage to keep track at, of like where children are, what levels they are, you know, and their, their reading level or their math level and have all these sort of supplementary materials that are not given to them by the schools or the, you know, the other academic institutions. So they're doing that in a very sort of customized um, and intentional way. Uh, and then there's all the social emotional exactly learning and development that is happening in that space that is you know i think sometimes in the us we overlook the importance of that 
but it's so fundamental, right, to, to raising children that are healthy in the most expansive sense of the word health, right? Right. Um, uh, so there, there's all of that. But I would also add that, you know, Nuno and Patrick are not only caring for the children, they're also really caring for the parents, you know, particularly their single mothers. They are a support system. They're a, they're a safety net. They're a social safety net for working families, um, which should be provided by the government, but unfortunately in the U.S. it's not. To, uh, just to what you were saying, that for, I'm sure, all of these children, this is their first introduction into a world of socialization. This is the first time they've been around someone that wasn't in their family, yes. someone in a, in a, not in their home. They're in, a, yes. and they're in a place outside of their own home. And the way that Nunu and the others who worked there, her husband's Patrick. Do I have that? Right? Patrick. Yeah. Yes. It was terrific. They're, they're teaching them sort of negotiations with one another in terms of playtime space, a toy, they're teaching each other to care about the other ones in the room. All these yes. things that, you, t- to your point, these are invaluable lessons yes. in life for yes. people. If we're going to live in a society that's worth living in, these are maybe the most critically important skill sets that you can learn. It's one Absolutely. thing to learn how to, 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 to say two and two is four. That's great. And it's great that you open their mind to how it, you know, to being educated and, and to flex that muscle. But these other skills are completely invaluable, and you're absolutely right. There, there is. It's as if it's a given. It's as if it's just. Oh well, this is just the way it works, right? I'm. I'm go ahead. If that. Yeah. No. I, I, absolutely. You know, one of my. I have a lot of favorite moments with the children, but one of my favorite moments is this very small moment in the film where Mikey, who is about two and a half, is sitting at a table eating a meal with Jelly, who is five or six at the time and jelly's eating uh, like a, some sort of oatmeal or you know something that's hot and liquidy and he tells her the baby the two and a half year old tells jelly you know blow on it blow on it so that she doesn't burn herself and he like uh, mimics how to blow on the thing so you have a two and a half year old caring for a five-year-old right right and there there are just numerous everyday acts of care and care is happening across the spectrum right, right. Nunu and Patrick are caring for the children but the children are caring for Nunu the children are caring for each other Nunu is caring for the mothers the mothers are caring for Nunu and Patrick there's a, an interdependence uh, in this community that I, I think is really um, a model you know um, uh, and an example uh, that we should look to right so it's you know, on the one hand, this community is confronting very difficult um, structural conditions in society, and the response to survive those is a really beautiful, you know, example and like almost very expansive redefinition of what family is and what family can look like, uh, and of interdependence, which I think is a theme, you know, particularly for all of us in this year, where we've realize like you you really need to know who your neighbors are you know it's important to know who the elderly people are who are living alone you can drop off groceries for them that we are that care is a collective responsibility and that we are all able to provide care and we all certainly need care i remind our listeners that we are speaking with lloyd limbaugh who is the director of this 
remarkable documentary film called Through the Night. You should be looking for this. It's here in the Los Angeles, Southern California area. The Lemley Virtual Cinema is an opportunity for you to check this out. So go to Lemley Virtual Cinema and it will be one of the options that you, you will be able to watch and do that because it not only does it support the filmmaker and the film, but it also keeps the Lemley cinema chain exactly. a viable opportunity for us to go see movies somewhere in our future where we will all be able to gather in a public place and feel safe and secure and an opportunity to be in a community of people which is awesome it would be great if we can continue to do that at some point you focus on this particular daycare center which by the way is open basically taking care of children at night as well serving the needs of the people in which leads me to another another part of what the film is about which is the broader issues that are illuminated in this film we live in a society where this work is not is not valued not only is the work of nunu and her and her staff not valued the families and particularly the single working par parents or mother who comes in the only chance she's going to have to make it is to be able to have her child in a safe environment somewhere outside the home and how little value we give to that. Fire away. I mean, because this yes. is really a big part of it. Yes. Um, so, you know, I made the film, we began filming in 2016. So obviously well before COVID-19. Uh, but ironically, I now have a film on my hands that is a film about essential workers, the people that we now call essential workers, this new language that we have. Uh, Shinona, who is one of the mothers featured in the film, is a pediatric ER nurse and has been literally on the front lines of the pandemic um, this whole time. Marisol works for a supermarket supply store and has been working six, seven day weeks this whole time. And Nunu and Patrick have not closed their daycare. Their, their daycare is one of very few um, that has not closed and they've been able to remain open because they are caring for the children of essential workers, right? Um, so these are the people that absolutely have to report to work, otherwise they lose their jobs. They cannot work from home, obviously need you know, some place for their children to be taken care of uh, while, while they're performing their duties. Uh, and so it is, you know, it is very ironic to me because I, I already felt like these people were essential. They have been essential in my personal life. This is my, in many ways, my community but invisibilized and sort of dismissed by the larger society and mainstream. But now in this COVID-19 moment, we are now talking about essential workers, you know, and I say it in air quotes quite a bit. Uh, and my frustration is that we keep talking about them and there's been a lot of journalism, but we are not taking care of them. Right. You know, we call them essential, but we treat them as sacrificial. And we're really asking them to sacrifice themselves their health and that of their families um, for the benefit of everyone else. And so that, you know, society can keep functioning at some, you know, level and, and, and to sort of keep the economy running. And then they get nothing in return. As we know? sit, as we sit here today, the United States Congress cannot bring itself to pass a bill that would be incredibly helpful. And, and we're on the verge of what sounds like, a homelessness crisis, the likes of which this country may not have seen, maybe even since the Great Depression, but even maybe worse. Yeah. Uh, we are just just exactly what you're talking about. You know, this is that that idea in, you know, 
some businesses when they don't want to pay you more, they give you a, 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 a title that sounds like it's more important. Right. Like that's kind right. of what it feels like we did with this. Right. Right. Other than actually you, address it. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. Yeah, no. And, uh, you know, and, and it's like, you know, I want to say people say essential workers. And even when we read about them, I think there's this way in which they're still sort of placed at off. They're one, they're, they're sort of super simplified and they're kind of like these like cardboard figures, very two dimensional, flattened. Right. You know, people that we don't fully behold as fully human um, and complex in their humanity. These are not far off people. This is literally your supermarket clerk. This is the person that you see every two weeks when you go to buy your grocery. Or this is the person who's at Target, you know, working at 1230 on a 12:30 a.m. on a Thursday so that we all can have the convenience of picking up whatever we need, you know, last minute at all hours of the night. Like these are, you know, and, and not to mention nurses and folks that work in our healthcare system, right? These are literally the people that care for us, do That's all right. the caregiving work. And, and then the people that also do the work that makes all other work possible. So none of us are untouched by these people's labor. Right. So then to me, you know, the point is like these people then are our responsibility because we all benefit from their labor. There is not one of us that does not, you know. Yeah, it has been very difficult. And and these are generally the jobs that we were talking about earlier that don't pay a living wage. They just they they don't. And as we, we alluded to in our introduction, this is also a job that is a preponderance of people of color. Predominantly women in many of the many of these sectors that we're talking about, at a time when this country is seeing the widest disparity between the rich and the poor in the history of our country, and also in terms of industrial countries and what so-called industrial uh, countries in the world, we have the largest disparity between the bottom and the top. And so all of these things are, and uh, you know, I, I also say this a lot, which is these are trends that are unsustainable for a society that's going to survive. They just are. You can't continue to do this for forever and ever. And as an economist once said, an unsustainable trend is not sustainable. And, (laughs) and that's what this is. And this is what a lot of this film through the night is about. Uh, I'd love to know what the reaction has been from Nunu and from Patrick and the people who are a part of the film. What what was it like when they got a chance to see this? Yeah, so uh, they they really like the film, um, and Nunu and Patrick primarily uh, have been really involved in the rollout uh, and the release of it because they are both. You know, we we see them in the film as uh, daycare providers. But they are both also part of a union that is uh, a union uh, that which is like the first of its kind in New York State of home-based daycare centers, um, because there is a, quite a big distinction between home-based or what they call like a family group daycare versus sort of centers that function in commercial spaces. Right? Like this is really, you know, literally like mom and pop <laughs> uh, in people's homes small and very family oriented um, daycare spaces, which do tend to be the very first, like you said already, the very first um, times that a child steps outside of their 
own homes, right? Um, so it's, these, these spaces are really critical. Uh, and so, you know, for them with the film, it's an opportunity, I think, to, um, to just speak about all the things that they care about, you know, which you know, in many ways when I've heard them speak is about um, wanting society to recognize, acknowledge, respect, and resource the work that they do. Uh, and, you know, and also Nunu, this is Nuno's platform is like, it's ridiculous that families, you know, have to work as hard as they do to put food on the table and keep a roof over their heads. Like, why, why is this normal? Why is it okay? I think they're really excited about the film and, and I'm enjoying the experience. There's a sense that I get and, you know, the things that they've told me and, and yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you a question I don't know the answer to, which is good, but it does seem like daycare is a relatively new development in in America. I don't know if that's true or not. In other words, back in the 40s and 50s, was daycare, do you know, I'm, not, I'm asking a question, I'm, I don't know if you know the answer, but was daycare in the way that Nunu practices, like a home like this, was that something that was around? Has it been around for a while? Is it? I don't know exactly when it started, but it has been around for quite a while. Okay, because because uh, I'm thinking the, back. Twenty four hour care is not something that's been around forever. Okay. <laughs> uh, although although I learned recently, um, a friend of mine, her grandmother is like a hundred and five or something, uh, and very lucid and healthy, and was sharing stories about uh, uh, during the Second World War when they asked women to sort of go into factories to, to work for all, you know, to produce all the goods that the government did provide overnight childcare. There's so many during so, that push. There's so many solutions that have worked in the past. Yeah. We seem to be in this kind of new age of, you know, economic deprivation and we're increasingly forced to kind of deal with this on our own. I was thinking back to the era of the 60s when uh, the Black Panthers started, they implemented their own version of daycare, you know, providing mm-hmm. breakfasts for, mm-hmm. for people mm-hmm. in the community. Mm-hmm. And, I, and sort of that seemed to have been, to me, the first time I had, was aware of it because I've been very fortunate. I lived in a home where my mom didn't work and my dad went off to work and that was, that was all that stuff. But I just wondered because it, oftentimes it feels like this is a necessity. This, a lot of the, 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 what we see, what Nunu is doing it is, is a matter of necessity when it shouldn't be an absolute necessity the way it is. Right. Right. Well, listen, I, I, I want to thank you so much. This is a deceptively simple premise for a film. We're going to, you're going to go into a, you're going to go into a daycare center or to a home where, where these kids, children are being taken care of. And it isn't. It is just there's so much more to to I love that you call it a deceptively simple premise. That's, that that might be one of my fa- favorite compliments to date. Um, I love that you say that. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's much more than that. So I just I'm 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 so glad for you that the film's been getting an awful lot of uh, attention and awards, and it's it's been I'm sure for you a very gratifying experience as a filmmaker and. And I, I know this means a lot to you. I can certainly see that in, in our conversation. So the film, again, is Through the Night. And if you want to see it here in Los Angeles, you can check it out at the Lemley Virtual Cinema. You can go to the website for the film, which is throughthenightfilm.com. And it will give you information about how to watch it, information about 
the filmmakers and all of those things that you'd want to know about. And I so appreciate your time, Lloyd Limbaugh. Thank you so much for being here today on Film School Radio. Oh, I've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music